0: I'm Jeff Stewart, Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist, and I want to welcome you to my podcast, From Crisis to Connection. Each week on this podcast, my guests and I will give you and your loved ones resources and tools to heal from the crises of infidelity, pornography, abusive behaviors, and betrayal trauma. But we also talk about how to build and maintain healthy connection in your most important relationships. Thanks for listening. I'm so glad you're here. Have you guys ever seen that meme that shows two different control panels and on the top one it's got an on and off switch with a little tiny red light and then below it there's one that has dozens of little switches and dials and lights on it that looks totally overwhelming and on the top it says men and on the bottom it says women. A lot of the times people use that as a funny way to describe the difference between men and women sexually that with men you just have to flip the switch and they're on And with women, it's a lot more complicated. And you know what? It's obviously an exaggeration, but there is a lot of truth to that. But the challenge with this is that a lot of men and women feel very powerless and very hopeless about how to deal with a woman's sexual desire. It feels like you have to have this pilot's license or this tons of training to figure it out. And a lot of women end up just feeling frustrated and either give up on sex or feel like there's something wrong with them or broken or they just beat themselves up. And a lot of the times husbands may feel powerless, like, well, if I do the dishes, if I do all these things and I get all the conditions just right, maybe she'll be into it. It can drive both people totally crazy. Well, my guest today is here to help educate and debunk a lot of these myths and beliefs about women's desire, women's sexuality. And thankfully we have a lot of good information. And she believes that the more education men and women can have about women's bodies, women's emotions, the less this, con- this control panel is going to feel overwhelming and it's going to become a much more straightforward experience so that both people can enjoy the beauty of sexual intimacy. Now, I recognize because this is a podcast called From Crisis to Connection, that talking about a uh, sexual desire is going to be totally impacted by the presence or lack of presence of betrayal. If you're in a relationship where there's been sexual betrayal or there's been some major betrayal or crises and you're still working through that, that's obviously going to have a hit huge impact on your sexual desire, whether you're the man or the woman. But especially for a betrayed woman, it's going to make it very challenging. So as you're listening to this today, and you're still in the weeds of working through betrayal issues, and you're still in the early phases of it, then please take what we're going to say and just you know make a note of it. But please take it in context. I always want to say that when we talk about strengthening or enriching a marriage We want to make sure that people understand and give themselves permission and room for the space that they're in right now. A lot of what my guest is going to talk about today has a lot to do with couples that are not dealing with this kind of stuff and are working on just improving their connection, especially their sexual connection. And I love the stuff that she shares and she's got a lot of great information. Her name is Jamie Andelin and she's a coach, coaching with Jamie and uh, you'll, you'll find her on Instagram at Jamie Andelin, and, and she has some great content on Instagram. It's where I found her, and we've connected and communicated a bunch about some different things, and I just really love her approach, and I think she's very positive and empowering and encouraging to helping women debunk a lot of these myths and not be so hard on themselves about these things. So today we're going to talk about why low sexual desire happens and how it's not always what you think it is. And there's so much to understand about this, and when you understand it, It is so empowering for both women, but also for men, because a lot of men feel resentful, upset, confused, rejected, like it's totally personal. And again, like I said before, if there are things you need to work on relationally to create safety and stabilize the relationship, go for it, work on that, get that stabilized. But there are so many couples where there are no major betrayals, and yet they're still struggling with this issue. And there are just some very key things that you can do and learn and understand about this that make a world of difference. So let's jump right into my interview with Jamie Endlin. Welcome to the podcast, Jamie. Thanks so much for being here.
1: Thank you for having me, Jeff. I'm happy to be here.
0: So I work with a lot of couples that are working through marriage crises and betrayal things. And one of the biggest questions that comes up is what to do about the wife's low sex drive. And I'm sitting there as a therapist knowing that it's not just as simple as taking a pill or having somebody just muster up more willpower. I know there's so many factors that impact this. And yet a lot of women are beating themselves up, feeling like they're just broken or something's wrong with them. I mean, I I know for just at a very basic level, if you've been betrayed by somebody, that's going to be a pretty big buzzkill and make it hard to want to be sexually intimate. But then there's so many other factors as well. And so a lot of times couples will come in and want to have these conversations about almost wanting to fix her. Like, what do we do about her? And so I've got all kinds of stuff to do to help the relationship and the couple and, and create safety and all those things that we talk about. But yet at the end of the day, a lot of women still feel like there's a lot missing there and they're not sure what to do. So I would love to just jump into this conversation with you and talk specifically about, you know, what? do women struggle with in this area? What do they tell themselves? What are they believing even before they come into my office with these issues?
1: Oh, thank you so much for asking. And I love talking about this. In fact, I can talk about it all day and actually do talk about it all day. So I am prepared. (laughs) Well, first of all, I do, I do use the term low sexual desire because it catches the attention of couples and women that I focus on helping. I think a lot of women can relate to this term, but low is all relative. And I just like to bring attention to this because a woman and or her spouse may feel that her desire is low because they're comparing it to her spouse. And her spouse seems to have a desire for sex maybe more often than her. And so this comparing just makes her seem lower, where if she were to compare her desire to someone else, her desire may seem higher compared to them. So I just love to bring attention to this, first of all, just for some curiosity. But even though men and women are biologically two separate individuals, you kind of touched on this, but, you know, women tend to tell themselves that something is wrong with themselves or their bodies if they don't desire sex as often as their husband or you know even wanting it at the same time as him or in the same way and we just have to understand first of all that sexual desire is an individual biochemical thing that is going on inside of each of us and we each have our own sexual language and sexual desire and i think that we've spent so much time trying to, you know, either get our spouse to be more like us or we, you know, lots of women tend to not have taken the time to really understand their sexuality. And Mm -hmm. so it's, you know, it's no wonder that it might seem not existent or, you know kind of a mystery to the man and the woman in a relationship and and that's for many reasons which I'm sure we'll talk on but for the majority of women who are who would say that they are struggling or relate to the idea of struggling in a marriage with sex and like them being the one with the low sexual desire I would say the undertone of like Every conversation her and her spouse have is that there's something wrong with her. yeah. And it's just kind of this misunderstanding of women's sexual desire in and of itself that kind of leads to this undertone or this messaging that they're dealing with.
0: Right. And if you're comparing apples to oranges, right? Like men and women, just we're generalizing obviously here, then yes, you could could make a case that she's broken if she's trying to be a man, but he would also be broken if he's trying to be a woman. Right. Yes.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes.
0: But culturally, yeah. and I, it never gets framed that way.
1: Right. Exactly. And exactly what you're saying is like culturally, I think that for the most part, women are not to any fault of their own, trying to fit into some boxes that weren't necessarily meant for them to fit in, especially when it comes to their sexuality. And so they always feel a little bit broken or, you know, something is off. I mean, I've gone through my own journey too, where it's just like, okay, I need to take these pills and these supplements and these, you know, try all these things that my husband is like bringing into the relationship to try to like, you know, force this like sexual desire. And I just, we were just off, you know, in what needed to actually be addressed. And yeah, I just think that's important. I love that you touched on that. Apples to oranges, like, so true.
0: Right. Right. And I've even seen it in some marriages where, you know, there's not the stereotypical, you know, he has the lower desire, she has a higher desire. And so I I think if you're the only person you're comparing yourself to is your partner then mm-hmm. generally i mean that's that's a that's going to be pretty discouraging and you're not going around surveying everybody else about their sex life and their mm-hmm. desires and things so it can be very <laughs> isolating and you can feel very self-conscious about how you're showing up instead of like you said tuning in and understanding how you work
1: yeah just like i think just like having this conversation is helpful too because your listeners are going to all of a sudden like tune into the fact that it's not necessarily like understanding men's sexuality in general or women's sexuality in general, but it's more of a learning of your own self and your own sexual language and your spouse's. And that becomes a really beautiful experience usually just to like kind of get everything else out of your head that you've ever known or been taught and just become this like, you know, I'm going to become interested in me and you. And Take all the rules and everything out and just learn how we work together and how we work individually. And, and that's really, really beautiful, actually.
0: Yeah. So liberating too, because man, if you're trying to follow a script that you've seen in movies or even in pornography Mm -hmm. or other things like that, Mm -hmm. you're going to feel like a failure because that stuff is pretty produced and it, it always works great.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. So many people have had so much success with it. You can tell (laughs) because no one, no one's suffering, you know, with their sexual relationship ever. (laughs) Yeah. If all that stuff works, we wouldn't be talking about this right now.
0: (laughs) Amen. I know exactly. So, yeah. So tell me, tell me more about these beliefs and kind of what, I don't know, where's this stuff coming from? Tell me sort of the, the big picture of how we ended up here.
1: Well, I have kind of like a silly example and it kind of might seem ridiculous, but it's ridiculous for a reason. Because I think if I share this, like people will start to see that like our sexual desire really is an individual biochemical thing going on and nothing to really take personally. Right. Because I think a lot of times we take our spouse's sexual desire personally and it it really isn't. It's a, it's an individual thing. So, you know, (laughs) we... Tend to be hungry at different times than our spouse, we tend to need to go to the bathroom at different times than our spouse. We tend to want to brush our teeth at different times than our spouse does, and no one ever takes this personally like if my husband was like brushing his teeth and I didn't want to brush my teeth, I wouldn't be like so upset that he was brushing his teeth without me or that he needed to brush his teeth when i didn't and he you know and he's not trying to you know make me and him do all of these things at the same time in the same way and we never take it personally but with sex and i think it's because we want to do this with our spouse and we crave that like intimate connection that sex can provide we tend to take this biochemical desire thing personally and so if my spouse doesn't want to be intimate at the same time as i do it's more like people start going down the road of, oh no, am I not attractive to them? Are they not attracted to me? What's wrong with us? And there really is nothing wrong. It's just two individuals with different biochemical, biological things going on. And usually one or the other or both do not understand truly what's happening on a biological level. So When we start to learn about, and I'm just going to focus on the women who's suffering with a lower sexual desire, but when we really start to focus on some of the beliefs and the narrative around women's sexuality, we can start to see that it's no wonder she's struggling and that, you know, the couple is struggling. But some of the origins, you know, of these beliefs, I think a misunderstanding about women's bodies in general, thinking a woman's body should work like a man, a lack of education due to, not talking about sex in women's bodies much, shame around the subject of sex, and even like menstruation, you know, women's bodies, and maybe some uh, religious upbringings where sex just wasn't talked about, or it wasn't talked about in a positive way. And so there's a lot of like confusion, misunderstanding, just simply from those things. Right. But yeah, like, there's not a lot of studies that have been done on a woman's body and how it's so much different than a man and is on a different cycle than a man's and like, you know, her ebbs and flows of her hormones, like women have just typically been seen as kind of broken in a way. And so, you know, her like very hormonal, needing to fix that, you know, taking a pill to fix things and it's I'm just I don't want any woman to feel like there's something wrong with her at all. So it's just like there haven't been a lot of studies. There's not a lot of stuff out there for women to kind of grasp onto or really be educated. And so, of course, you know, her partner isn't going to be educated either because there's just not a lot of stuff out there. You kind of have to search for it. It keeps this like mystery going of like the woman, like what does she really want? How does she work? It's just constantly this mystery. So I just think, you know, with yeah. those beliefs, it's, it's no wonder it's a struggle actually and a challenge. Yeah. And I don't
0: think that a lot of, I mean, just from my own own experience and my close relationships, people I've talked to, my counseling practice, like this stuff isn't getting passed down in healthy ways, generally from, you know, mother to daughter, grandmother. I mean, it's just not getting, a lot of the times it's just like their own experience or cultural beliefs or expectations Mm -hmm. or just really bad advice. And and it yeah. doesn't like you said it it doesn't allow people to one have good information and two tune into their own experience and feel like they can do it in a way that actually works for their physical self their emotional self
1: mhm i know a lot of women who who believe that if they even knew a lot about their bodies and about sex that that's seen as inappropriate in yeah. some way like and so they don't want to come across as inappropriate you know like good girls and good women you know women don't don't typically know a lot about sex. And I'm not saying this is true. I'm just saying this is the messaging that yeah. a lot of women live with. And so it keeps them from wanting to understand. And it's so confusing too, because the cultural messages are be sexy, but don't be sexual. <laughs> so it's like, how do I do that? You know, how do we, how do we handle that? And so there is a lot of shame, you know, and in being interested. And, and like you said, there's, Things being passed down that don't really work, but just are the way they it is the way it is. And so they just have to keep doing it because that's the way it is and the way it's always been done and always been talking talked about because that's what good girls do.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so true. I see that all the time. hmm Yeah. What else do you have on that? What other impacts or what other, you know, origins or things like that can you share with us?
1: Well, I love that you talk about women, you know, not passing down things from their mothers or whatever information and that just brings up another subject of women tend to not have any authority over their own bodies and are are looking on the outside of them for help and direction which makes sense like we that's kind of what we tend to do as a human race is just like i need information outside of me to understand this And this can happen anywhere from like looking to doctors, looking to parents, looking to church leaders to understand themselves and their bodies and just waiting, almost waiting for permission from the outside to do something or to understand something. And this just like they're kind of carrying around this idea that I don't really have permission or authority over my body. I'm just waiting for the information to come in from someone else and I remember even as a young girl, I think I was like 13 or 14, and I was in a, I had brought a friend to church with me, and we were in a lesson with a church leader who was male, and he was teaching us about, oh, and we were also, there were also other boys in the class between the ages of like 12 and 16, and we were just, in this class together in this, this male church leader was teaching us about the body parts that were okay to touch and the body parts that weren't okay to touch. And I remember thinking as a young girl, you know, that was kind of strange that this man had authority to tell me what was okay and what wasn't. But like, I didn't, like, I didn't have that authority to know. And I remember feeling this sense of kind of like disempowerment. I don't think I would use these words when I was 14 years old, but I remember the feelings kind of coming Mm -hmm. up inside of me. Like I was kind of disempowered. I wasn't in charge of my body. I didn't understand. Obviously there were things I didn't understand that he did understand that I didn't. And so I had some confusion and I also had some shame because I remember feeling curious about my body, but in this moment thinking, "Uh uh-oh, I was wrong. I shouldn't be curious. I shouldn't want to know these things. Obviously, this person on the outside of me has more information than I do, and so I need to like shut down that curiosity. and like, I don't want to be bad. and so I'm gonna you know shut that part of me down. And I'm not saying that this man was the problem at all. I'm just saying this is a typical kind of situation where you know women have grown up thinking that they just don't have authority over their bodies they don't know their bodies. They don't know what's happening. They don't know what's going on. We kind of need to keep it a secret. There's, you know, don't be curious about it. And then all of a sudden there's this idea, especially in some religious cultures, that you kind of keep everything hidden and a secret until you're married. And then all of a sudden you're supposed to (laughs) understand it all and then have all this like authority and then, you know, give yourself, you know, to your spouse for pleasure. And it feels very disempowering. It's not sexy at all. And then it's no wonder that all of a sudden sexuality is such a challenge <laughs> for them. And it can, this can go on for years without being addressed. And so many people are living with experiences like this. Whether It may not be exactly what I shared, but it's still, you know, a lot of women can relate to experiences like this. And feeling like they're not in charge of themselves. They don't know what's going on. They're broken in some way. And now they're supposed to give of themselves and they have no idea how to do it. And they don't feel sexy at all. And, you know, it's just very confusing and very challenging.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, I I think you're hitting on some really important stuff here. And I I think, especially on this last point that, you know, because it does, because sexuality can be more straightforward for guys, Mm -hmm. you know, biologically speaking, than Mm -hmm a lot of the times everybody just sort of like almost unintentionally agrees that maybe like he might knows more about it. And it's just like, yeah. and and in my experience, I think in general, and I'm generalizing big time here that in my experience, most men are actually like not as tuned in to even their own bodies or any, not as much stuff as, as their wife is like, she's tuning into his stuff, her stuff, everybody's stuff. And there tends to be much more sensitivity, but that's not being talked about or tapped into or dealt with. It's just sort of like, well, I'm like you said, I'm going to shut this off. I don't know what I'm doing. Mine's complicated. I don't understand it. I was told that I'm dangerous or that I shouldn't be touched here. Yeah, uh-huh. you, know, you just sort of, everything just gets kind of closed off. And I think that that is, like you said, that can be a real setup in, in marriages where people have not had any sort of prior, but even if people have had sexual experiences prior to marriage, A lot of the times Mm -hmm. it follows that same pattern anyway, where, you know, she's not her own authority over her body. She's not, you know, she's sort of believing that she just exists for him. And, and that just really cuts her off from understanding in a way that actually will benefit herself, but also the relationship. And it's, to me, it's a huge loss.
1: Yeah. I love that you bring that up because like when you touch on like each person kind of has their own individual struggles that they've kind of, you know, gathered over the years around their own sexuality, like, and you bring those together in a relationship, like, I'm never surprised. I'm like, Oh, it makes so much sense that we're all struggling. And, and I I say that not to like, bring like, more problems to the table, but just to bring a lot more compassion and understanding, like to kind of soften this struggle that we have to say, Oh, you know what, it makes sense. It makes sense Mm -hmm. why we struggle. And and it's okay that you are because given the situation, it's kind of like a math problem. This plus this equals, yeah, the struggle. And that's okay. Like, oh, i so good to just be aware of it. Cause I think if we can relax mm-hmm. into that and kind of get rid of this like tightening we tend to have around this, like, uh oh, something's wrong. I'm wrong or they're wrong. Like even this narrative, like men are just obsessed with sex and oh, that's all they want. You know, that's even like, what men can grow up with and women can grow up with, it. and it's just like, why are we? Yeah, none of that is helping anyone. <laughs> so, it's yeah, we no all kind of get everyone struggles.
0: Yeah, we all kind of get boxed into beliefs, whether it's cultural, gender, our family, you know, religious community. All of it can box us in, men and women. I hear tons of men who are just like, I hate that my wife thinks that all I ever want is sex. Like, I want, I,
1: know. I, I want
0: so much more than that. But, but like, she's got mm-hmm. so much programming, not for me. That it has to be this mm-hmm. way. And so I, I think it goes both ways. And so, no, I love I love what you're saying that that really this is supposed to be validating to say, look, this is complicated. You're not just broken. It's not pass fail. It's not like if it's not working correctly, then you're just automatically broken or a failure or not, whatever. It's instead it's like, let's pause and now let's start having lots of layered conversations about all kinds of areas because each of you has a story around this and we're talking specifically about mm-hmm. women today but the stories that women have like you're sharing about something as what's a seemingly innocent church lesson starts to
1: mm-hmm.
0: starts to put in motion beliefs about your own body that you know nobody in that room would have ever even imagined was going on and so and at right. that time you didn't understand the full impact so i'm like let's imagine what can happen in a marriage if a couple can really start to explore and understand these conversations and these experiences it really starts to depersonalize and open up a little bit more about what might be going on for that individual.
1: I love it. Thank you. And I'm so glad that you're opening up this conversation because I think it is very helpful just everywhere we can just kind of, you know, open up these conversations a little bit. But I have discovered that, you know, so many people come to me and are saying like, did we just lose our chemistry? Do we not love each other? They're not attracted to me. And I just very firmly believe that it's not a loss of chemistry. It's not a loss of love. I believe that people can love each other very much and then struggle in the sexual department. And it's not a matter of not being attracted to each other. It's just, it's either a loss of a skill set or not ever understanding what the skill set is to have a sexually successful relationship And it's no wonder that people don't understand that it's just a skill set because no one ever talks about it that way. It's Mm -hmm. all like love and romance and chemistry and all that. I'm like, no. And so if a couple is struggling in their sexuality, they always go to the place of, uh uh-oh, there's no more love here or no more attraction. And I just think it's so important to point that out. Like, no, those things can coexist. You can love someone and be attracted to them. And not desire sex (laughs) that can all coexist at the same time. And you can learn the skills that turn on a woman's sexual desire and help balance the sexuality between the two of you. And you can have a very successful relationship sexually and sex will be a non-issue for you and just be fun and enjoyable and connecting and bonding. And that truly, I believe, is available for everyone. Just learning the skill set. And every couple is going to have their, you know, it's going to look differently. Like like I always wish my clients could like hear each other talk because one, you know, one couple will say, we only have sex like twice a month. And then the next couple will say, oh my gosh, we've had so much sex this month. twice a month we've had sex, you know, so they're constantly like, (laughs) you know, I'm like, there is no perfect. There is, yeah, there is no right amount. It's just like learning your own, like what works between the two of you. And it just takes a set of skills and once The woman is living her set of skills and the man is living his set of skills. The marriage can actually be very successful sexually. You just have to learn, you know, your individual set of skills and everything will work perfectly.
0: What are some of the skills, Jamie? Like, what do you, when you talk about that, what are some specific ones? And I'm sure we could probably fill up 80 podcasts with each skill, right?
1: Uh (laughs) Yeah, totally. I I mean, I, well, I think that first it's understanding some of the obstacles that arise for sexual, you know, al- sexuality in a relationship. And when you understand the obstacles, then you can start to see like where the skills are. So I've broken down what, you know, the obstacles in a woman's sexuality into five different parts. And one is physical and then biochemical, emotional, energetic flavor in a sexual language. So physical is like if you have chronic pain or fatigue or health challenges, like infections or pelvic floor health, like every woman who's had a baby should definitely be seeing a pelvic floor therapist. If she's not, she's going to struggle with her sexual desire because there's like a numbing that could be going on. I mean, there's a whole lot that goes on in the pelvic floor region that, you know, she should be checking out, getting help with Um, gut challenges, you know, the microbiomes in your in your gut, like all these come into play with your sexual desire on a physical level. So understanding that a woman's body is more on a cyclical rhythm and not so linear, that her body needs things, different things at different times of the month, depending on where she is in her cycle, because that will support her hormones. This is really, truly important to understand. And as she changes her diet and her exercise to kind of line up with where she is at in her cycle, oh, her balance is kind of, or her hormones balance out and she is rewarded with some health physically. Also biochemically. So this is like neurotransmitters, hormones and blood health, like all these things come into play when it comes to sexuality Emotional obstacles might be unprocessed emotions and resistance to emotions, compounded stress. You know, stress is in our bodies and we're just, it's in our bloodstreams and in our organs. And when that's compounded, it's really hard to have a sexual desire. Body mm-hmm. image, thoughts around her body, um, resentments in the relationship. It could be as simple as, you know, not feeling very equal in the relationship or one person taking on more than the other in the household. Those can add up negative associations with sexuality, kind of like, and maybe not just negative, but maybe just not even talking about it, just having no associations, unmet needs and desires as a person, as an individual, and like limiting your overall happiness, maybe just not doing things that are good for you as an individual, waiting for permission to do things with your spouse. I know I've talked to clients who have gone on vacations before and wanted to go on like helicopter rides, but they're Spouse didn't want to, so then they didn't go. And they're constantly feeling this kind of, like, unmet needs or, like, their happiness is being, like, limited overall. Their energetic flavor. So this is really important because our thoughts and our feelings kind of create this flavor that we're kind of carrying around with us. And it's kind of a vibe that we're sending out. And Mm -hmm. any married couple is going to know, like, you can tell if your spouse is you know, <laughs> carrying around a negative vibe or a positive totally. vibe. Yep. Yeah. No words have to be said for this vibe to be felt. And so certain vibes that we carry around with us increase or decrease our sexual desire in ourselves and also our partner. So like if I'm going around thinking like all oh, my husband wants is sex. He's so sex focused. He's so obsessed with it. He doesn't want anything else. That vibe is felt by this by the husband. And It's a negative kind of energy because it's not true for one. Sex means so much more to him than, you know, just getting some from his wife. It's a bonding. It's an intimate experience. It's connection. And if the wife is unaware of that and she's just going around thinking about like, you know, how obsessed he is with it, she'll be like pushing his hand away. She'll be turning away from him sexually, literally. Mm -hmm. And And so that's a vibe that we're carrying on that can increase or decrease. And then we each have our own sexual language, which is like, it's our own personal, unique kind of individual language. And um, most of the women I work with have what's called a responsive sexual desire, which means they have very sensitive breaks to their sexuality. And it, it, it doesn't have to all be sexual either, but it could be like traffic jam on the way to work, group text coming in all these things are like shutting down their sexual response and their sexual desire. And they have very sensitive breaks. And so, so many people don't understand, you know, what their breaks and accelerators are to their sexuality and they don't understand what their spouse's breaks and accelerators are. So sometimes things can seem so out of left field, you know, like I could be standing in the kitchen doing dishes and my husband could come in and grab my buns and I'm going to be like, What was that? Like, where was that coming from? And vice versa, you know? And so we're just not speaking each other's languages per se. We don't really understand it. We don't understand our own. So we don't know how to like tell our spouse what turns me on, what turns me off. And we're just so confused (laughs) for a lot of it. But those are a lot of the obstacles. So a lot of the skills that I work on personally with myself and also my clients is just learning what my brakes and accelerators are to my sexuality, and then changing my lifestyle so that my accelerators are being pushed more than my brakes. And another skill set has to do with stress. A lot of people are, well, most women that I work with have a lot of stress that they have in their lives. And so many people think that it's a matter of cutting out stress, when really Yes, that's a part of it, for sure. If there's just things in your life that you can do without, great. But for the most part, it's learning how to manage stress in a really healthy way Mm -hmm. and not just like live in a cave somewhere by yourself, you know, that will ultimately cut out a lot of your stress. But it's learning how to just manage it in a healthy way and kind of like kind of de-stress often throughout the day and come to like a grounded, peaceful place throughout the day often, instead of waiting until like the end of the day to decompress. Mm -hmm. A lot of women are waiting until the end of the day and then they need like eight to 12 hours to themselves and they stay up late, (laughs) you know, trying to get this time. And, and it's true. They do need that time to decompress because they've let stress kind of compound all day long. So I help my clients come up with like five to seven things they can do throughout the day to kind of just like ground themselves to digest that stress you know, and this is just another skill set. It's just another lifestyle change that is really important for women. So working with their cycle. I know when I talk about this, women are like, wait, what is that? And I call it cycle syncing and you live a different lifestyle depending on what part of the week you're in, managing your stress in a healthy way, understanding what your obstacles are and, you know, your breaks and accelerators and learning, changing your lifestyles to work with those. So that's kind of a, a simple, broad way of talking about skills, but
0: yeah, I love it's that. A good start. Well, and if you're listening to this and and you're thinking, "Holy cow, that's a lot to process or take in or figure out," I think so much of what I what I love about this and what I'm hearing is that yes, it is a lot, and there's a lot of pieces, and it doesn't have to be discouraging. In fact, it can open up a journey of understanding yourself and your spouse and your. I mean, this to me, like sex, not working or having low desire or struggling with it to me is just an invitation into deeper intimacy with yourself and your partner instead of just going like, well, I'm just broken. So we'll just, we'll just go through the motions or I guess it's the best it can be or whatever. And I'll just endure it. It's my duty or whatever. Like, it's like, no, 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 like use this as an opportunity to explore it. But sometimes I think there's so much urgency around like, well, we have to be having sex or we have to be doing it this much or you know, and it's just like, no, slow down. Like nobody's going to spontaneously combust if you're not having sex every day. <laughs> and let's just, let's enter into a really intimate, honest, mature conversation. Exactly. I love that.
1: Ah, yes. Like you said, I like saying like <laughs> slow. It's like a slowing down to speed down. up. Yes. That's kind of what it feels like. It's like, you're going to slow it. down, but then you're going to feel this like, you know, accelerator pushed in your sexual relationship and your your sexual relationship with your spouse can be such an amazing teacher of where things need to be worked on in your relationship and with yourself. And so just, you know, instead of berating yourself or beating yourself up about it or your spouse, just look at it as kind of some time for some self-reflection, some some lifestyle changes, some shifts in your relationship. And you know, you're gonna start doing a different dance now. And it could be the most beautiful work you ever do, really.
0: And it's totally okay for you to not only understand yourself, but also ask your partner to understand you and to expect, Mm -hmm. you know, and then also expect yourself to understand them. this is not just, I'll fix me and then you fix you over there. And then hopefully we'll just come together and it'll just work. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's not that it's two people really learning more about each other. Yeah. So Jamie, let's talk for a minute about Betrayal a lot of my audience of course the podcast is called from crisis to connection so a lot of the folks that listen to this podcast are working through some sort of a sexual betrayal of some kind
1: mm-hmm. and like i said
0: at the beginning that's a huge desire killer there's obviously issues around safety especially if there's been an affair there's disease there's there's questions around fidelity and wondering if if i'm the only one and it just can bring up so much that it can just seize up the body and so a lot of the stuff we're talking about is is really, really kind of later stage stuff. If you're dealing with betrayal, and you know you're not going to be doing as much of a, around that kind of stuff as you would. The early on stuff is going to be around safety. But I'm just so yeah. curious. You know, once some safety has been established in the relationship, meaning that there's no active addiction or affair going on, there's no ongoing betrayals, and the couple's now starting to figure out like you know, she might be curious or more open to sexual intimacy or trying to understand herself better. Where does a woman who's been sexually betrayed, how does she start to reclaim this and start to open her life back up into this area?
1: I love this question. And I, I think where a woman can begin to reclaim safety in this area and with her own relationship with herself on a sexual level and also her spouse is it all starts with self-compassion. And the self-compassion doesn't mean to dismiss or deny or ignore the suffering that's going on, but self-compassion means to support yourself through the suffering. And I really do believe Mm, that we can get stuck in our challenges and our struggles if we don't have this like self-compassion aspect. The self-compassion actually helps us move through the challenge. And I developed a... Well, I have a four-step process that I help my clients with, and it's, it's called ACT, A-C-C-T. And each letter stands for a step in self-compassion. So whenever you're noticing some suffering, whether it be like, you know, you're not feeling safe or, you, you know, that betrayal feeling, or there's a lack of trust, or you're like nervous to even navigate your sexuality with yourself or someone else, the first letter stands for ACKNOWLEDGE. A, acknowledge the suffering. It's there. We aren't dismissing it or, or ignoring it. This may lead to seeking help through maybe some therapy or something like that. It also helps us to stop pushing things down, but to to kind of let things come up and and surface so we can heal them. So this is the first step. And then the next step is connect. And that's what the next C stands for. But connect to yourself. This can be as simple as when you're feeling some kind of suffering, you just put your hand on your chest, maybe squeeze your hand sometimes or give yourself a hug. This skin to skin contact actually releases oxytocin from our brains, which is a nurturing hormone. And when you are experiencing some kind of suffering in any way, what you need is nurturing. You don't need to beat yourself up. You don't need to ruminate on these like negative thoughts, but just offering yourself some nurturing connection to yourself is really important. And then the next step is the next C is to connect to others. A lot of times in our mind, we like, and you touched on this a little bit, we kind of isolate ourselves. Like if we're feeling like we're going through a betrayal type situation, we feel like maybe nobody else has been through that before or nobody really understands me, or I feel embarrassed or ashamed, you know, there's all these feelings that come to us. So, and a lot of anger too, you know, anger, frustration and everything. And so being able to connect to others, even just in our minds and just saying like, you know, any woman who has been through this would be angry or there are every woman on the planet knows what it feels like to not be seen or to feel like they're not heard or understood, you know, whatever it is you're feeling like, instead of isolating yourself and telling yourself that nobody will understand, or I'm so embarrassed. It's more of a like, you know what, anyone who's been through this knows what this feels like, or every single woman on the planet has felt these feelings before it may not be from the exact same scenario. But she has been through something similar that brought up these emotions. And so to work on just connecting yourself to other women is really important. And then the last letter is T, which means talk kindly to yourself where are so used to this, like this berating voice or the critic that lives with us. And we kind of carry around this heaviness and we're all very fluent in this language of living with this, this critic. And so Notice when that comes up, you know, the critic is going to be there, but you can just respond kindly saying things to yourself like, I know this is hard, but we're going to get through this or I know this is hard, but I'm going to figure this out or even a simple like this is really hard and I'm here for you like that kind of narrative where you're talking to yourself or just asking yourself like what do you need right now like this feels really hard right now what do you need right now and then like following through on that is really important so that's just a really quick really simple process I think to even get started when there is betrayal because this self-compassion and like this like kind of this more connected, more kind, more nurturing environment you're building within yourself and also in your home is going to be the way through the challenge to support yourself through the suffering instead of getting stuck in it and tightening up around it. Do you I have any that. thoughts on that?
0: No, I love <laughs> yeah. it. I mean, that's that's so similar. I, 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 yeah, a lot of the women that I work with who have been sexually betrayed, um, they've either been blamed for you know, the betrayal, you know, you weren't enough of this, or you were too much of that. Or, and so a lot of the times they're carrying a lot of external blame, but they're also a ton of internal blame. That's already coming from, like you said, not feeling like enough and cultural messages and just our own insecurity that we live, with. but women, especially around their bodies and and their own sexuality and, and so on, just carry a lot of this and have to fight that off. And so, yes, as, as soon as the dust settles and you start to feel more open to, exploring sexual connection and trying to build something you're right those voices and all the criticism and the sense of failure and all that's going to come sweeping right back in and you've got to slow that down and and i love the connecting with other women part too it's not that you have to open up with them about all the details of every little thing in your life or your sex life but it's really about uh just talking about maybe some of the fears or the insecurities and getting validation to know you're not alone and that you're not crazy and that this is common and Even just listening Mm -hmm. to something like this, like you talking as a woman, you know, sharing these things Mm -hmm. can be so validating to go like, okay, I'm not I'm not broken or there's nothing wrong with me. I just need to Mm -hmm. learn more and understand and take some risks here and open up and talk about this. And sexuality is not just a decision. It's not just a one-time decision of like, Mm -hmm. well, I'm just gonna have sex and make it work.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know that can actually make it worse because nobody wants to have obligated sex, whether it's you or your spouse, like nobody wants that. So taking the time to slow down, have some self-compassion and learn how to enjoy yourself on a sexual level. Enjoy your spouse, maybe not make the goal having more sex, but learning how to have good sex, you know, might be the goal. Um, right. I always encourage people, you know, a lot of people I won't I won't generalize right now, but a lot of people will think like, oh, we're struggling in our sexual relationship. So obviously the answer is to have more. We need to plan in more of this. We need to have more sex and then that will fix the problem. That's not necessarily the answer. Yeah. Sometimes the answer, a lot of times the answer is what's getting in the way of good sex. Let's look at that. And let's see what we can do, each of us individually right. and as a part as a partnership to have better sex, not more often, but better. And I think that could be an answer to a lot of problems.
0: <laughs> right. If anything, I, what I find is that if the couple is, let's, let's say one of the issues is feeling lonely or disconnected and they're like, well, let's do this 30 day challenge and let's have sex every day and just amp it up and whatever. <laughs> in my experience, those things can actually create more of a divide. It can make you feel more lonely because you're just doing more of something that's not working instead of trusting that together you can understand yourselves and each other. But yeah, you're right. The instinct is like, well, if we stop or slow down, then we're just going to, you know, we're basically just going to (sighs) shrivel up and die. Or it's just (laughs) going to, that's not been my experience, both in my own marriage and with the couples that I work with. In fact, I think it's more about depth and connection versus just skimming along the surface. And who doesn't want more depth and connection? I mean, that's what I hear people yeah. asking for all the time. I want this to be meaningful. I want to feel close. I want to feel connected. I want to feel deeply fulfilled instead of just scratching this itch. And then it calls for me again the next day because it's not getting met. So mm-hmm. yeah, I love that slowing down the self-compassion is a good place to start. And I I recognize that in a setting like this, we can't possibly address everybody's particular situation. And, and that's kind of our point is that it's complicated and you need you you owe it to yourself to slow it down and have these important conversations
1: yeah totally and just allowing yourself like i just love that you touched on like how people really are craving intimacy they're totally. not actually craving more sex no like they're not actually craving more they're craving a deeper intimacy mm-hmm. and slowing down And really, truly like understanding yourself, looking to understand your spouse, getting rid of maybe some rules that you guys have had that aren't working for you, thinking outside the box and just allowing even like if you do plan on having sex, like instead of thinking our goal is to follow through on that, maybe your goal can be to notice what obstacles get in the way um, and start working on that. You know, it's and this really is a, a process that should be taken just really slowly and compassionately and lovingly and noticing that we both want a deeper connection. We both want that. So we can, that can be what connects us instead of, you know, you want more sex and I want more emotional connection. It's like, wait, let's just throw those out the window and decide that more, a deeper intimate connection is what we both want. And so that can be our goal here. And if that leads to more sex, cool but it might lead to other things as well. And so just being open to that. And I just love that you touched on that because I think that's so important. Probably the most important.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So any like, uh, I guess as we wrap this up here in terms of, we started off talking about how just so many women just beat themselves up and think there just must be something wrong with them because sex just doesn't just, like sexual desire isn't just you know happening for them so naturally, so quickly, whatever. What would you say, especially to the women, but also the men listening in my audience here around this issue, around this challenge of low sexual desire?
1: Hmm. I would say first starting with, you know, undoing that narrative that there is something wrong with you. Noticing that there is an area that you want to work on, like your sexual relationship with your spouse does not mean that something is wrong. It just means you want something different. And whatever you are doing right now, whether you're the woman or the man, both of you, is not creating the result that you want. And so we can just, instead of thinking like, so something's wrong or something's broken, it's just like, oh, these things are not creating the result we want. So let's take a step back, really get clear on what it is we actually want. And then each of us individually under like kind of nurture ourselves and take care of ourselves and as a partnership to create that result. And if you're doing things that aren't creating the result you want, giving yourself permission to try something else to start again. So many times we have these rules in our head as we in relationships, like, Back in 1982, we decided that this is what our marriage would look like. (laughs) And here it is, you know, 2021, and it's not working. (laughs) So we can stop. We can redo whatever it is. You know, you can have a total revamp of your marriage. I know so many people just want this, like, like the newness and, you know, stuff like that. And you can have that in your current relationship, which is so fun. Just deciding. Yeah from not a not broken place, but just, it, I like to think of it. I'm Sometimes I'm very logical and I like to think of it as more like a math problem. Like, Hey, two plus two equals four. So if you're doing three plus five and not getting four, it's not, nothing's wrong with you. It's just the way you're living or the lifestyle you're living or the way you're managing stress or, you know, the narrative that's in your mind isn't creating the result you want. So we just get to like, take a step back and and navigate some of that and undo some of that and maybe add in things and until you can like tweak it to get to where you want to be. Nothing's wrong with you. Something's probably wrong with what you've been taught or the lifestyle that you think is that you're supposed to live. And it's okay. <laughs> you can, I love that. You can handle it.
0: Yeah. I, I love, I love the permission and the message over and over again of if it's not working for you, there are 4 billion options. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. You haven't tried everything and there's so many things you can learn about yourself and about your relationship, your partner, like just in those five skill areas you listed out, but so common, it's so common for it to go straight to, well I'm just broken so I guess I'll just settle. Yeah. And it's like, no, 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 don't. Like don't <laughs> like there you can be creative, you can figure out the problem, you can work together, you can understand yourself. There's so much you can do. So it's a message of hope, Jamie. I mean, I I really love just the kind of this can do attitude you have about helping women, especially find really what feels authentic and real to them and what's going to help them Mm -hmm. actually start to feel interested in this. And here's, I mean, I know you talked about uh, like so many women are more responsive desire versus spontaneous desire. Mm -hmm. And that whole getting to a place where you can be responsive requires a tremendous amount of like understanding yourself, but also speaking up, talking about it, mm-hmm. communicating with your partner, what works instead of just feeling like something's wrong with you. Cause you just don't feel it all the time. So
1: yeah, there's work
0: involved I mean, here.
1: Yeah, so true. And if you are a woman listening to this episode, I mean, if you have that thought that you are broken in some way, even if you don't necessarily think those exact words, there's like a, like we talk about the energetic flavor you kind of carry around with you, which leads yeah. to you feeling like something's wrong. I just want to say you're just living your life under a huge misunderstanding, just a giant misunderstanding about yourself, about the way your sexual desire works, about the way, you know, rules you have in your relationship. And you're not broken. It's just a big misunderstanding. And from there, you can start rebuilding this relationship with yourself You know, working on this relationship with your spouse. I know most women want to want more sex. You know, I I hear women say, like, well, if anyone was going to change, I I think it would be me because I mean, it sounds nice to want and desire sex more often. I'm like, yeah, it's totally possible, you know, but you're not going to get there from the broken place, but you will get there from the, oh, I've just had a lot of misunderstandings. (laughs) That's
0: that's probably the
1: better place. (laughs) Yeah.
0: That's a great way to put it. Right. Yeah. It's like my dad said one time, he goes, I don't believe in failure. I just believe in experience. We just, you know, you're Mm -hmm. just having experiences Mm -hmm. and you're learning more and you keep understanding and then it just keeps getting better. And I just love that this kind of like pass fail mentality is not going to get you where you want to (laughs) go for sure.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing Um, that. I love what your dad said.
0: Yeah. I love that too. It's been super helpful. So Jamie, where can people find you? What, what do you have going on? I'd love to hear just what you what you have in terms of resources for my listeners.
1: Oh, sure. Yeah, right now, the best place to find me is on Instagram at Jamie Andelin. Jamie is my first name. Andelin is my last name. And that's where I show up daily. And, you know, I have some helpful posts and everything for everyone there. I'm creating a course right now. So I've put a hold on my one-on-one coaching because I'm just creating an online course for women and I think I'm going to add some stuff in there for men too. So the couples can kind of work on that together if they want to, but it can also be worked on individually. But I just wanted this work to be more accessible to more people. And so look for that. Like if you follow me, you'll see more of those announcements. Awesome. Of that course coming. So yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, fantastic. And I'll put a link to that for those of you listening, if you want to access that directly. But Jamie, thank you so much for taking some time out of your schedule to just share Love with it. my listeners and with me about this uh, this area that everybody wants to talk about but nobody wants to talk about. So I really appreciate you having the willingness to come and and share your insight on yes, this.
1: I will do it. I will talk about it. <laughs> we can do it together. <laughs> yes, it's gonna be good. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure to be here. Really, it was wonderful. Thank you so much.
0: You can follow Jamie on Instagram at Jamie Andelin. And you can also reach her directly at coaching at gmail.com. And I will put links to both of those in the show notes. So it's easy to find. Thank you, Jamie, for your great attitude and your information, education and support. This has been such a fantastic interview. And I just loved talking to you. So make sure you give her a follow. She's always on Instagram posting great content. And as always, I'd love to connect with you as well. You can find me on social media. Links are in the show notes. And you can check out my website toconnection.com where you can find past episodes of this, of this podcast. I have a weekly relationship column. And then of course, I've got online courses and other great resources you can find on there to offer you support in your healing journey to strengthen your own relationships. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for the great feedback. I always love hearing from you, the stuff that's helping, the ideas you have, and you guys just help make this podcast so much better. Thank you for jumping in this week, and I look forward to connecting with you guys next week. Have a great week, everyone.